0: I my bag a second ago and I nearly bought my car keys out instead and that really wouldn't have helped. So, um, but we're up and running now. If you've got your, um, no, don't turn anywhere yet in your Bibles. Uh, but we will do in a second because we're going to come and we're going to explore the scriptures together. Now, I've probably mentioned this before uh, when we've been together, but there are lots of TV shows, aren't there now, that are focused on, their competitions that are, are meant to showcase people's gifts. Showcase people's abilities, showcase people's talents. You can think of things like um, Great British Bake Off, um, Great Sewing Bee. Uh, there's one that Steph watches about glass blowing. There's pretty much anything that you're interested in. You can find a program where people are competing for it. There's a makeup one as well, isn't there, Luke? That you enjoy. Um, sorry, I didn't mean that to embarrass you. But you, you really like it, so it's just uh, yeah. Um, and actually, it, it covers a whole range, doesn't it, of people's gifting and of people's talents and abilities. Some of them, I don't really engage with many of them, but some I would find it easier to because I guess I've got more of an understanding. Um, Great British Bake Off, I don't do much baking myself, but I understand cakes and I understand pastries. That is definitely well within my wheelhouse and my skill set. Um, but talk to me about uh, something around kind of clothing or fabrics. If, if you told me to do a cross stitch or a back stitch, I think you're talking about strictly as like dance moves, I'd try and do my very best. but. Understanding fabric and materials is definitely not within my uh, my skill set or my talent pool. Um, but actually, the reason why I bring this up is Tim Keller recently I heard him sharing really about this picture of fabric that helps us to understand shalom. It's a word that we hear in Scripture shalom. And when we're talking about shalom, what, how we can understand it is this: is the total flourishing in absolutely every dimension. So it's seeing flourishing in terms of Uh, physically, relationally, socially and spiritually or we can put it this way, when shalom comes it's the way things ought to be. That is what it is when we experience shalom. And actually it's worked out in relationships, but specifically it's worked out in right relationships. Relationships with God, relationships with others and relationships with the surrounding world. And as Tim Keller, I heard him unpacking this and explaining that he said that actually it's these relationships that they interweave us. So this picture of this fabric that is, is woven of many threads and many strands, actually that's how we can understand what this, this, this shalom looks like. This relationship's interwoven uh, and they interweave us and they're woven to be beautiful and strong. That's where fabric gets its strength, isn't it? When, when this interweaving takes place and these connections take place. And actually as those who are called to be part of the kingdom of God, of those who have made that decision, if you like, to, to follow Jesus, we're called to reweave the broken fabric of this world. That's what we're called to do. That's what kingdom... The kingdom of God is, that we were looking at earlier this morning, it's about reweaving the broken fabric of this world, but in a way that reveals Christ to people. And I think actually for us in this series we're in, we've called Changed. We're thinking about actually what does it look like for us to be uh, prepared uh, in this season to be those who are able to support and care for those within our church family but those in our wider community as well who are experiencing hardship at this time thinking about those who are vulnerable at this time thinking about those who are marginalized at this time thinking about those who are struggling whether it be with their finances or provision or all those sorts of things and actually I think this picture is so helpful in that actually what we're called to do is to help reweave the broken fabric in this world as we press into and pursue everything that God has called us to do, and today we're thinking about changed churches. If you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be in a couple of places actually. If you'd like to turn to Deuteronomy 15, uh, and then maybe keep a finger in there, a bit of paper in there, and then we're also going to be in Acts 4. It will come up on the screen as well. But if you'd like to follow along in your Bibles, that's where we'll be: Deuteronomy 15 and Acts 4. But just a quick recap of where we've been over the last few weeks. We've spoken a lot about justice. We've spoken a lot about mercy, about kindness and compassion. We've been thinking about actually the call upon us to, uh, not just the call upon us, but actually the freedom we have to be those who are able to meet needs. We've been thinking about how we view what we have. We've also been speaking into actually what does Jesus say about worry, particularly when it comes to material things and Possessions, And if you like, going back to that imagery of, of the threads and this, this fabric being woven, it probably feels like we've been touching on a lot of the same things week after week. But we will do, because they're, they're all interwoven. They're all uh, woven together. But again, as, they, as we continue to look at them and, and press into them and pursue them, actually what we're doing, what we're trusting that God is doing within us, is just building strength and beauty into this fabric uh, that he is creating through This time, And so this morning we're going to be thinking about changed churches and I'm going to lay it out there at the start. This is the thing that I would love us to take home. What I'm hoping we will take home with us and and start to live out is this, is that a distinctive of God's people was and is that there should be no one in need in the church. That's what we're going to be exploring today. So a distinctive of God's people was and is that there should be no one in need in the church. A lot of what I'm going to share today has kind of really been shaped through conversations I had with uh, Natalie Williams, who heads up Jubilee Plus. Um, And you've probably heard us speaking of Jubilee Plus, particularly a lot over the last few weeks with the uh, conference that they've got coming up next weekend. Uh, But it's been so helpful just to be able to have some time to kind of talk some of these things through and walk some of these things through uh, with her. But let's read then, shall we, from Deuteronomy 15. We're going to read from verse 4 through to verse 11. So there will be no poor among you, for the Lord will bless you in the land that the Lord your God has given you for an inheritance to possess. If only you will strictly obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all this commandment that I command you today. For the Lord your God will bless you as he promised you, and you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow And you shall rule over many nations, but they shall not rule over you. If among you one of your brothers should become poor, in any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God has given you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. Take care, lest there be an unworthy thought in your heart, and you say, the seventh year, the year of release is near, and your eye look grudgingly on your poor brother, and you give him nothing. And he cried to the Lord against you, and you be guilty of sin. You shall give to him freely, and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him, because for this the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake. For there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy, and to the poor in your land. Okay, and then in Acts, so the emergence, the birth and the emergence and establishment of the church, we read this in Acts 4 uh, and from verse 32, it says, now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great joy, sorry, and with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him, brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So it's not often that we would kind of read from two passages of scripture when we come to to preach or teach. Generally, it might be that we, we bring one as our starting place. But the reason is I wanted to read from both Deuteronomy, so in the Old Testament, and a passage also from Acts, as I say, in the New Testament, after Jesus' death, resurrection, after he's ascended back to heaven, after the Holy Spirit has been poured out, on the church, and the church is, is being established and is growing. The reason I wanted to read from both of those is because in both, we see that a distinctive of God's people, and when we say a distinctive, what we mean by that is something that was to set them apart from every other group, from every other nation, from ev- every other people, was and is that there should be no one in need in the church. What we don't want to do is to think That actually this is something of a a new thought that emerges and arises in Acts. That this is something that is birthed there. And that is where we first see it. The sense of no one being in need and every need being met. But it's not that. It is a thread. An ongoing thread that is woven throughout scripture. And if you like, if we trace that thread back to where it begins, it goes back to God. It goes back to his heart. That's where this thread comes from. Because it's God's heart and God's intention and God's desire that among his people there should be no one in need. So it's not something that just appears on the scene when the church emerges. It's not. It's woven right throughout scripture. There are many places that we could have, have, have gone to, to to point this out. We just don't have the time to do that this morning. But maybe when, when this goes out, I'll attach on the, on the description... Uh, under the recording some other verses that you can look at it and explore and see actually through Old Testament right the way through the New Testament we see this desire of God's that every need being met among his people and this call to be generous to be those of faith-filled generosity now when we look at uh, the, the Deuteronomy passage with the Old Testament there are laws that they were called to obey and called to follow and in this particular passage that we read from Deuteronomy they're talking about the sabbatical year so every seventh year every debt was to be wiped out was to be cancelled so whatever debt people held at that point was cancelled and then you would go into the new year starting afresh with whatever you owed had been wiped out but it was part of the it was part of the law that which they were called to obey and that they were called to follow. But then when we look at Acts. It's different in that it's no longer part of the law. That they're being called to. But it's what we see is this. They're, they're voluntarily given out of what they had. It's not that they. This is the law and you have to do this. Actually it's this sense of. Look what you are now free to do. That you now have freedom. To partake in. Not given under compulsion. But each freely given. Out of. Just this voluntary desire to give of what they had to meet any need that arose among the people. You see in verse, right at the start of Acts chapter 4.32, so where we started, it says that the full number of those who believed were of one heart and of one soul. This is what fellowship is. This is what it is, to be part of the family of God, part of the community of God, is being of one heart and of one soul. So they weren't living as isolated individuals or isolated families who set their their walls up and stayed within that group, but they, they lived in community. And as part of that, they recognized the responsibility that they had to one another. So I think partly it was responsibility, but they also recognized the freedom that they had to take hold of the opportunity to use what they had to help and bless those in need. So yes, when we're living in community, we have a responsibility towards one another. But we also have this freedom to take hold of the opportunity to bless and to care and to love one another. And that's what we see in that passage in Acts. They're of one heart and they were of one soul. They loved one another and they took hold of the opportunity they had to meet need. And their understanding of fellowship, their understanding of community, their understanding of responsibility, their understanding of opportunity was also coupled with how they viewed what they owned and how they viewed what they had. If we continued in verse 32, so it says that the full number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to them was his own, but they had everything in common. Can you see? There's this understanding of what it is to be in community alongside this understanding of recognizing how they viewed what it is. Actually, what I have is not my own. Actually, I have the opportunity and the privilege to be able to use it to bless those that God has called me to. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we were looking at some words of Jesus, weren't we? In the Sermon on the Mount where he was speaking about worry and possessions and the main thing that Jesus was pointing us to is this, is that ultimately God is our provider. And he will provide and meet every need that we have. And when we free ourselves from worrying about uh, attaining material possessions and, and uh, really from, from luxury kind of uh, lifestyles, actually there is freedom that comes in that. And in Matthew 6 where we were, Jesus is calling those who already have what they need to surrender their privileges and to give to those in need and to focus on the kingdom. So to be in community means we don't withhold what we've got. And actually we're free to use what God has given us to help those in need. If we see it as ours rather than as mine. And that's quite a, quite a, a shift in mindset and that would be quite a challenge for us because I know it's a challenge for me but actually do we see things as, as mine this is what I have, this is what I've been given, this is what I've earned, this is what I've received or do we see it as actually look what I have in the context it's arts. how can God use me to use what he has given to me to bless and to serve others Jubilee Plus, in one of their resources, they put it like this, they say if we see it like that, so in terms of ours rather than mine, we can start to consider if we can share our money, our meal tables, our broadband, our cars, or even our homes. It helps us to think in a different way. We think actually, with what I have, how can I bless others? How can I meet need with others? And again, it's not just about money. Actually, our meal tables, our broadband, our cars, our homes. How can we use those things that God has given us to meet need that others are experiencing? But it also enables us to act in the opposite spirit to what the world may be doing. In Acts 4, we saw that they were selling what they owned. That's, that seems extreme. That seems radical. The reason why it seems that is because it is. Actually, it wasn't just that they weren't just looking at it in the sense of, um, "What do I have left over?" or "What do I have available?" Actually, for some, they sold their land, and they sold their houses in order to be able then to give it to the apostles to meet needs, where need arose, in order to meet that. And it is extreme, and it is radical. And it's probably fairly uncomfortable for us to think about, particularly in the culture and society in which we live, to be those that would actually, actually, a challenge for us is is if God called us to sell our home, if God called us to sell our land in order to meet the need of others, in order to bless the poor and the vulnerable and the needy, how would we respond? Because actually, times might come. Well, that is the reality that we're going to face, or the opportunity that we have to engage with and to face. A couple of weeks ago, I read these verses from 2 Corinthians 8. I think they can come up on the screen, please, Ian. I think I've put them on there. 2 Corinthians 8, uh, verse 1 to 5. We see Paul write this uh, about the the church in, in Macedonia. I think it was. He says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction... Their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own free will, begging us earnestly for the favour of taking part of the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God, to us. We touched on that a couple of weeks ago, didn't we, as, a, as an example of what radical generosity looks like even in times of great need. And that by living the way that Jesus calls us to and not being worried about having enough or having more than enough of, 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 of um, storing up possessions, of storing up money, but actually being able to be radical in generosity, even in times... Of great need, and that's just one example that we see there among the church in Macedonia. I want to make this very clear what we're talking about here is not recklessness, I'm not calling you to be reckless with what you have or to be irresponsible with what you have, but actually we're talking about something different, which is faith filled generosity. In Isaiah 61, that we read at the start uh, during our time together in worship, where did it start? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. So actually, if we're those who are filled with the Spirit and anointed by the Spirit, we're to respond to his leading and we're to respond to his prompting. Scriptures say, don't they, that since we're led by the Spirit, sorry, since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. So what I'm talking about here, I'm not talking about being reckless or irresponsible with what God has given us. What I'm saying is we need to be open to the Spirit's leading and the Spirit's prompting. Because as we do so, he will lead us into the things of the kingdom. He will lead us into seeing the kingdom come in and being established and the kingdom growing. And part of that will look like radical generosity. Even in times of great need. And I'm sure there will be moments where this is to act in the opposite spirit of what the rest of the world would be doing. Where actually for many it won't be about look at what you have to give, it will be about how can you make sure you're meeting, every need that you have is met, actually it's, it's a different way of thinking but this is about being led by the Spirit and responding to His leading and responding to His prompting, now you may be in a position sorry, you may not be in a position to share money or possessions or your home, but what can you do? See in Exodus chapter 4 when God calls Moses to go and lead the people out of slavery in Egypt. Moses stands before God and he says, why would they do that? Why would, if I turn up, why would, they, why would they respond to me? They wouldn't see that you're with me. And God says to him, take that staff, look in your hand. There's a staff in your hand. We need to lay it down. And when you lay it down, it will become a snake. And then when you take it up by the tail, it will become a staff again. And when you do that, they will know that you have sent me. See, Moses didn't go based on what he had or any confidence in what he had or in who he was. What did God ask him to do? He said, look at what is in your hand and I will use what you have in order to see the things of the kingdom come. Can you see see what, what happened there? It wasn't about Who Moses was. But actually it's this call of look at what, what you have and I will use what you have. And so the question here is what is in your hand? For some it might be finance, it might be possessions, it might be your home, it might be your car that you're able to bless others with. But it might not be that for all of us. But what is in your hand? What do you have that God could use at this time to meet need among the church when I was chatting with uh, Natalie, uh, Natalie Williams about this, she said, well, why not um, you could make a weekly phone call, even just five minutes, to reassure someone that they're cared for. Maybe that is exactly what someone needs during this time and during this season, just that sense that someone is walking through this with me and they're looking out for me and that someone is caring for me. Maybe that is what is in your hand that you can do at this time. But she also said about don't just assume as well that people are okay. She used this example. She said it might be that in your church you might have someone that oversees many hedge funds. They're handling lots of money through this season. Actually get in touch with them. Ask them how are things going for you? How can we be praying for you? Because they will be feeling pressure in, in different ways Perhaps. But actually they will be impacted and affected by the things that are going on in our nation at this time as well. But actually you could draw alongside. Just ask them, what challenges are you facing at the minute? How can we be praying? How can we be helping? We've got folk in our church who are self-employed or owners of businesses. Ask them, how can we be helping you at this time? How are things going? What challenges are you facing? How can we be praying for you? Is there anything we can do to help? So look at what's in your hand. What can you do for the good of others in your church, in our church? So far, I've spoken a lot about being givers, but we're both givers, but we're also recipients. And that might look different. There'll be times where actually we're more in a position to be those who give, and at other seasons we'll be more of those who are in need of receiving help and having needs net having needs met and I think this is going to be one of the big challenges because I, and, and again I'm speaking for, for myself here perhaps and just recognising how I feel about this sort of thing but actually in our churches we need to normalise asking for help we need to normalise asking for help that it just becomes a part of, of our culture it's a part of who we are that it's not an out there or oh, where's this coming from kind of thing, but actually people feel safe and secure to ask for help when they need it. It has to become normal. And this, when I'm talking about this, it makes it less comfortably with us than what I've shared up until this point. And in Deuteronomy 15 and in Acts 4, the verses that we've kind of based this time in, we've been looking really about having physical needs met. Actually there's material needs uh, that needed meeting, and, and they were. The believers, the, the brothers and sisters were meeting those needs. But, and, and again, I, I know we're, we're doing this series in the context of the cost of living crisis and thinking about how can we love and support and care for people through this time. And instantly we might be thinking about physical and material needs, and I understand why, but it, it goes beyond that. Because we will all have needs that be, go beyond the, the, the physical and material and so what I'm saying now, what I want to share with us is, yes, it, 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 can, it could be about finances that you need help with now. But actually, it could be something else. It could be grief. It could be your physical health. It could be that you just feel exhausted and drained. It could be situations with family or friends. You're just in a place where you need someone to come alongside and help you. Actually, we need to normalise asking for help. We need to. There can be many challenges to asking for help. Some that that I've got to, to share with you now, and I'm sure there would be more. Maybe it could be embarrassment that stops us from asking. We feel embarrassed to ask someone for help. Could be that we're not wanting to be a burden in asking someone else to carry the weight of our need. I don't want someone else to be responsible for that or to feel a burden for that. I don't want them to have to carry that. It might be that we don't want to drag someone down. We don't want people to to worry about us or to, to bring them low. Maybe they seem in a really good place and if I share this with them and I tell them about money, I don't want to drag them down with me. These could be all the sorts of things that go on in our minds as to why we don't actually ask for help. I think another big one is this is that fear can stop us from asking for help. Fear that asking for help admits failure. Like we've failed somewhere along the line. And fear can prevent us from asking for help if we need it. That's not the way things should be among God's people. We go right back to the creation. Right in the very early chapters of Genesis with the creation account in Genesis 2 verse 18, if we can have that on the screen as well Ian. I think we've put it there as God's created Adam and Adam is there before him and God then says this, he says the Lord God said it is not good that the man should be alone, I will make him a helper fit for him and he creates Eve and together they step into what God has called them to in terms of cultivating the land and living in relationship with him you see before the fall before the fabric was broken we see God's design for us to need help but also to give help to each other the need for help is not something that has come through with sin and the brokenness in the world and there's a danger is that we see it like that that there's something inherently wrong with needing help but we see it before the fall before sin comes in God created people, to live in community with one another, to help one another. It's God's heart. It's God's desire and it's the narrative that we see right throughout scripture. We see this, that God wants us to to acknowledge our need and not to hide from it. I know if I'm not careful, I'm someone that would try and hide my need. Maybe to push it to one side. Maybe to paper over it. Maybe to think if I just, things will be better in a few weeks or a few months. Maybe. But actually, we need to acknowledge our need and not hide from it. We need to be able to to talk about it. In the Psalms we see, don't we, in a number of the Psalms, we see the Psalmist write, I cried out to the Lord in my distress. And what happens? And God heard me. And he responded and he met me in my need. That's what God does. In my distress, I cried to the Lord and he heard me. We are weak, we are needy, but God is strong. Not only is God strong, but God desires to help us. That is good news, brothers and sisters. God is strong, but with that strength, he desires to help us. In our need and in our distress. The Apostle Paul recognises this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, Paul said this, he didn't he, he said that uh, God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me we often talk about weakness as being a bad thing it's not, it's just a recognition that all of us are weak in certain areas and all of us will experience weakness and need at various points Throughout our life. But it's not something to be ashamed of. It's not something to live in fear of. Actually, what it does is this is it points us to Jesus because when we're weak, he is strong. And he meets us in our, in our weakness and he works his power through our lives in the places where we are weak. To the point where Paul was able to say, Actually, I'm going to boast all the more gladly of where I'm weak because when I do that, then God is glorified more. Because in those moments, God comes and he works. In my life. And he works through me. And this again is the narrative of scripture. That we see. That where we are weak and needy. God is strong and he desires to help us. Aubrey Hopner. She wrote an article that I read. As I was preparing for this morning. And she wrote of just a few ways. That God represents himself in scripture. So, said one of the ways God represents himself in scripture. Is as our father. Raising us as children. Feeding us. And providing for our every need. Another way that God represents himself through the narrative of scripture is as our husband providing loving care and overflowing with affection for us. Another way is that he is our hiding place, our strong tower, our refuge, our good shepherd, our saviour. Brothers and sisters, this is the narrative of scripture. This is who God is. That when we are weak and needy, he is strong and desires to help us. Another one that we see is that he is our deliverer. He saves us from sin. He saves us from death. That is the gospel. The gospel is about God meeting us in our need. It is about God meeting us in our weakness. It is about when we were weak, God was strong and God desired to help us. You see, in our need, in our sin, in our ability to reconcile ourselves back to God, what does God do? He doesn't say, Ah, oh, you've got to try harder. He doesn't say, You need to work your way out of this. You need to get yourself out of this. He doesn't. He sends his son. He sends his son to live a life of total devotion, of total obedience. He sends his son to die on a cross, and in doing so, paying the penalty. For our sins. He sent his son so that the spirit would then raise him back to life. And in doing so death would be defeated. Making us a way for us to come to the father. Romans 5. Verse 6 to 8. If we can have that on the screen please. Ian Paul puts it like this. So this is said, for while we were still weak, recognise that, for while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God chose his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The gospel is about God responding to the need of humanity. It is about God res- responding to the need that all of us had. Needing someone to come to make a way that we could be reconciled to the Father. And God shows his love to us. Meeting someone in their need It's an act of love. It's what the gospel was. This is how God shows his love for us. That while we were still weak, while we were still broken, while we were still in need. Christ died for us but in his grace he also provides a body of believers a community a family that we're called to be a part of gifted to care for each other gifted to care for each other imitating our father through loving and caring for one another and meeting needs. See, God's design is for us to need help and to give help to each other. And like I said, I know it can be a struggle to ask for help. But hear my heart. It is not a burden. It is not an embarrassment. It is not a failure. To need help. It is not an embarrassment, a burden or a failure to ask for help. If you find yourself in a place of need, whether it is to do with finance, whether it's to do with work, whether it's to do with family, whether it's to do with health. Please do speak to your growth group leader, speak to someone you trust, speak to one of the elders. But let's not be afraid to have conversations with people about what might help them and what might not. You know what that means? That we need to choose to be okay with someone saying no thank you. It means being okay with someone telling you that actually your offer of help is unnecessary. But the danger is if we just assume that people are okay, if we just assume that people's needs are being met, the reality is is that so many needs will not be met and there will be many who need help who aren't getting it. So a lot of this, we talk a lot about culture, the culture of, of the church, the DNA of the church. A lot of this is very counter-cultural. But we need to press through in this. We need to break through in this. And oftentimes it means fighting through things that in, our, in and of ourselves and in and of our, our, our nature, it means pressing through things that are hard and uncomfortable and things we would rather not talk about, things that we would rather not think about. But we need to break through in it in order to press into the things of God and in order to press into the kingdom of God, in order to really press into fellowship as fellowship was meant to be, to press into community as community was really meant to be. We are not isolated individuals. We are not isolated families. We are brothers and sisters called together as one body, as one community, each with responsibility to one another, but also each with freedom. An opportunity to bless and serve and love one another. But it needs us all realising that at certain times we'll be able to be givers, but that other times we will need to be recipients also. And to be okay with living that out. It, it takes a vulnerability. It means making ourselves vulnerable. But I feel actually in more into who God has called us to be. To live the way that God has called us to live means we're going to have to press through and break through some barriers in this. And I'm not, I really want you to hear my heart. And I know I got maybe a bit loud there, but it's not out of a sense of I'm not wanting to push you into something. I'm wanting to encourage you and say, look what is open and available to us. Look at what Jesus has won for us. Look at what Jesus is calling us into Actually, there is so much more for us to experience. There is so much more for us. I just want to finish with this. A little earlier in Acts. In Acts chapter 2, we read about the fellowship of the believers. It says this, that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, tending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favour with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. I just want to go back to the start. That picture that Tim Keller gave us, actually we are to reweave, what we're called to do is to reweave the broken fabric of this world in a way that reveals people to Christ. When we look at the life of the early church and what they devoted themselves to, what they committed themselves to, we see that alongside teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, prayer, signs and wonders, what else do we see? We see every need being met. Possessions being sold in order that those who didn't have what they needed got what they needed. Being givers and being recipients is part of the fabric of the early church. And what happened is the early church lived out those things. People got saved because Christ was revealed through the life of the Church actually through living as those who are people committed to faith-filled generosity, of uh, those who say, actually, what I have, how can I use what God has given to me in order to bless and love and serve others? Do you know what? That is a, a picture, that's a beacon, that's a message to the world that is looking on to see what the church is all about. And within that, it might not feel like it. You might feel like I'm just meeting a need that needs to be met. You're revealing Christ. You're pointing people to Jesus. Within that, And as people see Jesus. People get saved. Don't we want to see people getting saved? Don't we want to see people getting saved. And added to this community. Let's pray. Um, Chris are you just able to let the children's work team know. That we're just coming into into land. Heavenly Father as we come and we think upon these scriptures, as we think upon this narrative, as we think upon this call to be those who use what you have given us to meet needs among our church, to meet the needs of our brothers and sisters, that this distinctive that there should be no one in need among our church, we say, God, we look to you. And we thank you, Lord, that right throughout history, right from eternity. It has been your heart and your desire in your strength, in your power, in your grace, in your mercy, in your knowledge, in your wisdom. It's been your desire to to meet us in our needs. Your desire to respond to our cry. been your desire to help us and Lord we see that so clearly in Jesus so Lord we thank you that in our need that in our cries that in our desperation, that in our weakness you showed your love for us and that you sent your son To come and meet us in our need. To do what we could not do. In order that we could. Be reconciled to you. Could be restored to you. In order that. Even this morning we've been able to sing. Of the kingship of Jesus. With freedom. And with abandon. Because we know that we are welcomed. And loved. And cherished. By you. Lord I pray that you would help us as a family, that you would help us as a community to live out your heart that there should be no one in need among us Lord I pray for opportunities to opportunities for faith filled generosity yes at this time yes in this season but beyond that Lord we want to build and build well We want to grow and grow well. We want to be a healthy church. We want to be a healthy community. We say, Holy Spirit, would you help us in that? Holy Spirit, would you lead us? Would you guide us? Holy Spirit, would you prompt us? Holy Spirit, I pray that you would uh, loosen our grip on uh, any sense of striving for, for material things, striving for possession of anything, Lord, that is actually a hindrance to the things of your kingdom. We pray, Holy Spirit, would you loosen those things? But we say as well, would you stir our hearts for one another? Would you increase our love for one another? Would you increase our burden for one another, Lord? Would you increase, Lord, that we would be able to say, actually, just as that church in Acts, those who believe were of one heart and soul, Lord, I pray ever increasingly, would you make us a people of one heart and of one soul? That we would love one another well. That we would look out for one another well. That we would care for one another well. That we would carry one another's burdens well. But Lord at times it's going to mean. We're going to need to ask for help. Lord I pray that that would be something that is normal. Among us. Lord I pray again. Even in this moment now. But in the weeks and months to come. I pray that you would break down anything that would be a hindrance to that we pray that you would stand against lies of the enemy lord we say we ask that you would break through fear lord we pray that you would break through the threat of embarrassment lord we would pray that you would break through uh false humility that says actually i don't want to i don't want to burden someone else with this or for them to carry it." Lord, i pray that you would break through everything that would hinder us from being a community where every need is met, that there would be no need among us. Yes, we pray that in terms of material things, but Lord, we pray that in terms of spiritual things and emotional things as well. Lord, help us ever more to reflect your heart, to reflect your desire, to reflect your love in the way that we are with one another. We pray in Jesus' name i oh,